hear us through your AirPods or see us on your laptop, how about meeting us in real life? Because we're taking Queer Money on the road this summer and fall. Visit QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player to find out when we'll be in your neighborhood. We travel well, we live well, we dine well, and we dress well, right? Well, not so fast. The assumption is that LGBTQ people are all fabulous and living the high life. And while we all may be fabulous, today on Queer Money episode number 334, we're breaking down the biggest money myths of LGBTQ people. Be sure to hang on to the very end when we share the biggest myth of them all. So let's get started and find out. You're listening to the Queer Money Podcast, personal finance with a rainbow twist. Queer Money is dedicated to financial independence, financial well-being, investing knowledge, and the intersection of all things money as an LGBTQ person. Queer Money is made possible by Capital One. Capital One believes that financial well-being includes your mental, physical, and financial health. Check out CapitalOne.com today. So today we're covering the biggest money myths of LGBTQ people. And I think one of the ironies of these myths is that not only do non-LGBTQ people believe these, but very often LGBTQ people believe these. Or if we don't believe them, we certainly do whatever we can to sort of try to fulfill them right. to a certain extent. I, well, you know, that I think that's the thing about myths, right? Myths are kind of like stereotypes and certain jokes that they they start out based on maybe one or two people, but then they kind of grow because people start to kind of look for ways to prove that myth correct, right? We don't look for the opposite. We look for the proof of the myth. And then we think, the, then we turn turn the myth into reality. Into and the that's and the sad part about it. We all try to then live up to that expectation. And the, that'll be very apparent with some of these myths that we're going to dive into today. Not all of them, but some of them. And uh, we'll, we'll discuss that here shortly. So, David, why don't you kick us off with myth number one? Yeah, myth number one is around marriage and marriage equality. And that is the myth that marriage equality means that everything is equal. <laughs> well, we all know that's a load of BS, right? The only it, That would be basically saying, and this is the fallacy of the myth, is that the only difference between LGBTQ folks and non-LGBTQ folks is that we couldn't get married. Well, we know that's not true. There's lots of other differences, especially when it comes to financial differences. We know there's financial differences and the and the things that we have access to legally. You know, for example, housing and service protections. They're still right now. They're only under executive orders. All it takes is a wave of the pen by some president who is non-LGBTQ supportive, and all of a sudden those are gone. And employment protections. Again, those were only recently granted. So we have decades, centuries of LGBT folks living without those kinds of protections. Right. So it's, it remains to be seen exactly what the employment protections look like in real life. We know that some people are getting, some employers and colleagues are getting a little bit more nuanced with their discrimination. So it's hard to prove that someone's being fired or not hired because they're LGBTQ. People are smarter than that. So it's a little bit harder to prove that. And so that kind of weakens the, the protections, the limited protections that we do have. I think it is also interesting. I know that we're moving to Toledo here shortly, but a couple of years ago, we went to speak at a conference at a college, actually at, at the University of Akron. And we met some financial advisors there who actually were from Ohio. And this was after 2015 when marriage equality was legalized. And a couple of those financial advisors who were actually working with people, trying to connect with diverse communities, didn't know whether or not uh, LGBTQ people in the state of Ohio could get married. Now, 
the Supreme Court of the United States had made that the law of the land in all 50 states. Yeah, um, I think I think that was in 2018 when we were there. So it had been legal for three years. It just goes to show the lack of knowledge isn't even equal, right? <laughs> right. The, the, the fact that some people don't know, and especially for someone in the financial services industry who may end up working with someone who is in a same-sex marriage, if they don't know that they have access to these legal protections or don't have access to legal protections, then they are not going to be making the the, the best decisions for that person. Exactly. So the action step here with myth number one is to... We've recommended this before, and we're going to continue to recommend until complete things get more equal, that LGBTQ folks, as hard as it may seem to be, need to maybe have more than the standard recommended three to six months worth of living expenses in an emergency savings account. We just have much more risks than the average person has to deal with. And I know that couple that with the sexual orientation and gender identity wage gap and other financial challenges that the community has, that seems like a lofty recommendation. That doesn't make it any less true. And so we're going to continue to stand by that. And, you know, we've talked about on this podcast how to open an emergency savings account and how to, our goal of setting up an arm's length away emergency savings account. So if you're looking for a place to do that, look no further than the sponsor of this podcast, Capital One, with their Capital One 360 account. Yeah, definitely you want to use a bank or or institution that is supportive of the LGBT community and Capital One supports the LGBTQ community in June and July, and in August, and September, and all throughout the year in a variety of ways. And this recommendation becomes even more important thinking when we consider how the Supreme Court of the United States most recently has its eye now on maybe making marriage equality not so equal. Right. And I think one of the important things to remember here, folks, is we're going to talk about these myths, and every one of these myths, we're going to provide you with an action step as to what you can do to either change the myth or to protect yourself from the effects of the myth. Exactly. Then myth number two, many people, including employers, only think that LGBTQ people, and I think this is maybe the case with some LGBTQ people, think that we're only good with arts, entertainment, style, design, hospitality. We've done, there have been a couple of studies that show that we sort of pursue myopically certain careers. And it could be that we think that we're only good for those careers, or we think that there's safety in those industries. So the fallacy is, the fallacy is, is a myth. The truth is that LGBTQ people of all sorts, shapes, sizes, colors, whatever, can do anything. Gay men are on the stock exchange trading stocks. Women are in, lesbian women are in tech. We obviously know that trans people are, are rocking it in artificial intelligence. There's just innumerable careers that we could pursue, but many of us sort of gravitate to limited scope of industries or jobs, and that limits our upward potential in salary and even career path. Right. And unfortunately, after the effects of COVID, we know that the community was really affected by this because many folks were focused on or many folks were working in industries where maybe either they felt safe or that's where they gravitated towards because they saw other LGBT people working there. or They felt like that was the place for them. And that is probably why 64% of LGBT folks either they themselves or someone in their family experienced job loss or job disruption during COVID, comparing that to under 45% of non-LGBTQ households. And that data came out of the Movement Advancement Project. And that's a nonprofit think tank. And really what this is kind of highlighting here is that if we ourselves prove this myth, then we are potentially maybe putting ourselves into situations where we may not be as flexible or adaptable to things that are changing in the 
economy or the environment. And it's kind of proven by some other data. This is data that we've shared from back in 2017 that Prudential showed that LGBT folks were actually gravitating to a small subset of, of industries. One in 12 LGBT women versus one in 10 LGBT women, non-LGBT women, excuse me, chose careers in high-paying fields. So fewer queer women were choosing high-paying fields. The number is even more disparate when it comes to men. One in 25 LGBT men versus one in seven non-LGBT men chose careers in high-paying fields. So it meant that we're not financially adaptable or maybe we're not as financially ready because we're not earning as much money. And Queer women gravitated to fields like healthcare, social assistance, education and arts and entertainment. Similar with men, but queer men gravitated towards education, transportation, warehousing, accommodations, food service and retail. Again, we may feel like we're trapped into these or we may feel like these are safe places, but financially it may not be a safe place. It's not, not necessarily the best option. Yeah. Financially wise. Yeah. yeah. So the action step here is to live your absolute truth. Whatever career person you want to be, pursue that to the best of your ability, regardless of what anybody else thinks that you you, you should do or or wants you to do. And remember, as Harvey Milk said, come out to everyone. The greater your financial security is, the easier this will be. So lay the foundation of financial security with a financial plan. Right. All right. Myth number three, and this is again, I think is is an interesting one because I think there's some evidence of it but it's not always the case, right? The myth is that not having children makes it easy to reach financial goals and financial security. Well, <laughs> I'm sure there are plenty of non-LGBT folks who don't have children who would call bullshit on this one as well, right? Yeah, the fallacy with this, it assumes that besides not having children, everything else with LGBTQ people is completely equal. <laughs> right. We have no other, other differences in that we, we do or do not have children. Right. So it just, it just assumes that everybody is treated equal, and we know that that's not the case. And as we talked about earlier, discrimination is getting a little bit more nuanced. Folks are figuring out how to, how to not hire, promote people, not work with, or not be around people that they don't like or people who are different than them without being so overt about it. And so there's sort of that hidden discrimination that can be very challenging for many LGBTQ people and other minority groups. Right. And especially with what we see going on in the country today right now, right? We see that the far right and the religious right are funding politicians and laws and even down to school board members and, and local politicians. They're funding these individuals so that they're in place to make sure that LGBT rights are being taken away from not only LGBT adults, but LGBT children, whether that's books in the library or what we can say in school or being able to identify ourselves as a member of the LGBT community, right? So there's so many more differences than just not having children. Exactly. And you know, we talk a lot about financial independence and financial security on this podcast, even FIRE, financial independence, retire early. Fund Fundamentally, this is the core of what the purpose of the podcast is. And the action step for myth number three here is that we need to be more hyper-focused on our financial planning with a foundation of a solid savings plan strategy that we'll talk about a little bit more later. But that financial security will give us more time, money, resources, autonomy, be able to continue to push for the equality that is so aggressively being challenged today. 
Myth number four is that HIV and AIDS are of little consequence today. It's, it's almost passe to be concerned about AIDS anymore or HIV, right? We've got all these solutions. And of course, now we have the challenges with monkeypox. So it's almost kind of like HIV and AIDS is taking a back burner. But this surprised us when we did the research. But did you know that there are still 1.2 million people living in the US today with HIV? Older gay men with and without HIV and AIDS are still struggling financially. Obviously, the, the some of the health care additional costs to manage HIV can be expensive. And there were a lot of people who thought they were going to die younger than they did and didn't plan accordingly. So today, we don't have thousands of people dying every single month or even year from HIV and AIDS, but it's still a burden on the community, on the population, and especially from the financial side. Yeah, I think that you know we've talked about this before, maybe the the carpe diem and the hangover of the lifestyle that many queer folks were living because of the threat of or the possibility that they might have or once they did contract HIV and and maybe turn into full-blown AIDS that they lived a life of let's live for today because we don't know when we're going to die and that's true we don't know when we're going to die and we should to a certain degree live for today but the issue is that a lot of folks were not financially planning to live for a longer time period. And my dad used to say this to me all the time, to me and my sister, I wish I would have clued into it a lot younger, but unfortunately I didn't. He always would say, live like you're going to die tomorrow, but plan like you're going to live forever. And that really has a kind of an emotional mindset and a financial impact to it, right? Plan your life like you're going to live forever. You need to plan like you're going to live until you're 80, 90 years, 100 years old. And that means you need to do some financial planning in there, but enjoy your life, live your life like you're going to die tomorrow. But that doesn't mean spend every penny so that you don't have any for tomorrow. Exactly. And I think therein lies the challenge for a lot of people. They think that the two are mutually exclusive. Right. And hopefully from this podcast, we're showing that you can actually do both in a healthy and financially prosperous way. Right. So our action step here is to use the tools and financial partners, again, such as Capital One. And Capital One has their free money and life mentoring at the Capital One cafes as a way to help you plan to live forever, right? Plan ahead for those financial outcomes that you want to have when you get to that point. All right. Myth number five, Gay people are highly educated. <laughs> We're all smart. <laughs> well, and I, I think that this may be backed up by some data that then people are making assumptions on top of it. And the fallacy here is that this assumes that gay is synonymous with LGBTQ. There was a study one out of Notre Dame that showed that gay men are slightly more educated than other demographics. And the theory in that study was that they were overcompensating that gay men were actually getting more education because they felt like they needed to do that to be able to keep up financially or or wage wise with their straight counterparts but what again what that does is it says that the l's the b's the q's the t's we just are going to leave them behind right it was the the g's that they focused on and said well, okay you all must be educated and i think this is in a sense this is very similar to what we were talking about at the very beginning right this whole idea of us all living fabulously and being fabulously wealthy well i think that there are a few shining examples of people like that but that doesn't mean we're all that way exactly and i think it 
we need to remember that being credentialed doesn't mean that you're educated or even smart or street smart, right? Right. You can have a lot of letters after your name and not be the brightest bulb in the tree, especially with SED. <laughs> bulbs and trees. Bulbs oh, and Christmas trees. trees. <laughs> <laughs> especially with as easy it is to pay for that A and get that degree these days. Yeah. So the action step here is to be sure that any advanced degree that you get is going to be commensurate with the salary you're going to be able to have access to. And this is a hot topic button recently, especially after the Biden administration offered the ten dollars to $20,000 in student loan forgiveness, but that doesn't wipe away the need to figure out, is this going to get me, is this degree or advanced degree, master's doctorate going to get me a solid salary that will not only help me live a quality life today, pay for and prepare for the future, as well as pay for my student loans. If you need some help with that discussion, we might want to listen to episode 317 of the Queer Money Podcast, where we talk about alternatives to expensive, low ROI education. Yeah. And I'll throw in here, and maybe a kind of a secondary action step for folks is if you have access to young queer folks, pre-college or maybe early year, or their first year or two in college, please have a conversation with them to talk with them about are they making the wisest decision when it comes to taking on debt to be able to get that education? If they, especially if they're your children or your nieces and nephews, queer students that are graduating who have student loan debt have more student loan debt than their non-queer counterparts. And there's an, we've talked about there may be a number of reasons for that, but part of that may be simply the fact that they're making these decisions because they think it's the best decision, but they don't have the true guidance and understanding about the decisions that they're making, or others are making these decisions for them. And then they're going to end up being like so many students or individuals today who have graduated and now are like, how am I going to pay all this debt back when I'm only earning X number of dollars and my student loan debt is two, three, four X, right? So please help educate the community, the youth in the community that just piling on student loans is not the best way That's to get an, an education. Absolutely. Myth number six here. And I think the the, the assumption here is this, that this is a thought of straight people, but I know that there are a lot of gay people who live in bubbles and think this applies to them as well. But that is that homophobia and transphobia don't affect me. That's the myth number six. The fallacy is, is that actually homophobia and transphobia affects everybody. We've talked about this study several times on the podcast. The University of Surrey did a study a couple of years ago that showed that people who simply sounded or looked gender nonconforming were less likely to get hired or promoted. So you could be a straight, white, cis man, as straight as can be, but you're not gender conforming and that can limit you from getting a raise or promotion. And you can be a, a gay man or, or straight or a gay woman who passes, but has some slight tendencies that maybe suggest that you aren't straight and that can affect you as well. I think the reason why we need to remember that it does affect everyone is that when these kind of hiring practices are put into place at work, they don't allow the best candidates, the best qualified individuals, or the diversity of thought to come into the team or the organization. And that's where it can have an impact on folks. Exactly. We had MV Lee Badgett on episode 323 of the podcast. 
M. V. Lee Badgett published the economic case for LGBT equality. She also published a study with some colleagues that she talked about on that episode with us that showed the direct correlation that discrimination can have to different countries' GDP. And so, again, you know, whole countries, even the United States, there our GDP is being affected, hampered by millions of dollars because there is discrimination in our society, and that's for LGBTQ people and other minority groups. But that affects everybody, right? Whether you're straight or LGBTQ, having lower GDP, which we're struggling with right now as it is, hurts everybody. And that they they showed the prevalence of that or the correlation of that because of LGBTQ discrimination. Right. And again, the action step here is that, again, the whole reason why we do this podcast is that we want to help LGBTQ folks and our allies reach financial security. And it gives us, this gives us more of a reason to push for full and fair equality when we can take these kinds of steps to make sure that financial security and sustainability is available to all people in our community. All right, here we got the big myth. Right, myth the number myth seven. <laughs> and that's the myth of gay affluence. And again, we highlighted it at the very beginning. The assumption here is that people who dress well, travel far, live large, are financially secure. And in the day, in the days especially you know, in the recent past, the last 10 to 15 years, access to really cheap credit has allowed a lot of people to live lifestyles that are way, way beyond what they actually truly earn. And that's why we're seeing credit card debt go up incredibly fast right now is because people are now realizing that the, all the debt that they have is costing them even more because interest rates are going up. So just because someone looks good, doesn't necessarily mean that they have a lot of money. And I would say, for the most part, folks in the LGBT community do a little bit better job at looking good. <laughs> <laughs> if we do say so ourselves. You know, we talked with Paul Dunneman on the podcast. I forget about the episode number, but we talked about how the easy access to credit masked the pay disparity or the or the, or the, the wage gaps from for various communities, right? Because I don't necessarily need to earn more money from my job because I have access to credit. And a lot of people don't couple those two risks together, right? The the lack of access to a better, a good salary, as well as the access to easy credit, a kind of mass that well, I can still buy all the things that I want to buy. I can still do all the things that I want to do. So I'm less likely to really put pressure on my employer to raise my wages. And on the flip side, your employer's less likely to feel the need to raise your salary because they see, oh, he's got a nice car, he's got a nice phone, he's got nice shoes, or, you know, she, of course, all that as well. So, you know, there's there's that challenge there. That's something else that we need to sort of blow, another myth we need to blow up. Yeah. And, you know, I know for myself growing up as a kid, there was a time when I felt this directly. When I was young, we moved for a short time period to live in Ireland. My The company my dad worked for moved us over there. And we were living in Denver And before we moved to Dublin. And I went to school. And when I went to school, at that time, the most popular show in Ireland was the show Dynasty from the 80s. It shows you how long ago I was that I was in school. But 
at that time, Dynasty was really popular. And Dynasty, the setting was all of the rich folks who were making tons of money off of oil in Denver. So what do you think the kids in school thought of me when they found out that I that I used to live in Denver? Of course, they thought I lived in a gigantic mansion and we had Porsches and limousines and all of that stuff. And no, nowhere near that, right? Nothing near that when I was growing up. But that was the assumption. And I think that there's a very similar assumption being made by non-LGBT folks about the LGBT community. And this actually is hurting us because this done does make people think that we are better off than we are. And when they think we're better off than we are, they may make decisions in their lives or decisions in their business as to how to treat us based on what they think, we, how we're doing financially. Yeah. And I think this is also, this is a, a very, very poignant one where I think there are a lot of LGBTQ people who see representations of LGBTQ people in media, on ma in magazines, and they're all dressed well, living well, traveling well. And they think that, oh my gosh, if I don't live that way, then I'm not a successful person. Or they have the, the idea that, oh, I'm not a successful person. I'm not a good gay because I can't do those things. And so they might be more predisposed to say, I'm going to use my easy access to credit to buy a lifestyle I can't afford so I can fit in with a group of people that I so desperately want to fit in with. And that sounds very much like our story. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the action step here is to let's make the myth a reality though, right? We right. want everybody in the LGBTQ community to be as affluent and abundant as they damn well please. So let's make this true. How do we do that? We create a solid financial plan with, that starts with a solid saving strategy. And this will increase our financial security and give us more leverage in today's politics. Not only gives us more financial security, but also more political security and access to equality, equal rights. Right. We don't want to ha hide the fact that we look good, travel well, enjoy life, right? We don't want to minimize ourselves because that's actually a negative that's a scarcity and a negative way of looking at life. We want to enjoy life, but let's make sure we're doing it in a financially responsible way. Exactly. So again, here are our seven myths. One, marriage equality means equality for everything. Wrong. <laughs> Number two, many people, including employers, only think that we're good at arts, entertainment, style, and hospitality. <laughs> we know that's wrong. Not having children makes it easy to reach financial goals or financial security. Number three, again, we know that's wrong. There are plenty of people, straight and queer, who would say that they aren't necessarily reaching their financial goals and has nothing to do with having children. Number four, HIV and AIDS are of little consequence or cost for us today. We know that to be wrong. Number five, gay people are highly educated. Some of us are, but that doesn't mean every single one of us is. And number six, homophobia or transphobia does not affect me. Well, it does. It affects everyone, especially because of the way in which folks in, in society make decisions based on someone being queer or trans. And then finally, the myth of gay affluence, number seven, again, let's make this myth a reality by finding out, by helping more queer people reach a level of financial sustainability and financial independence. So stay tuned for your Queer Money Takeaway for this episode. Make sure to check out more ways that Capital One can help you achieve financial well-being at CapitalOne.com. That's CapitalOne.com. Thank you for listening or watching another episode of the Queer Money Podcast. Here's your takeaway from this episode. You know, we covered seven myths in this episode, and every single one of those, we provided an action step that will help either you individually or the community. Go back, 
listen to each of those action steps and look for ones that you think yourself are the biggest myths that need to be changed when it comes to our community and take action on that action step. Exactly. Then join us this Thursday when we talk about how big the LGBTQ plus bank account actually is. And then next Tuesday, when we talk about creative new ways to think about your savings strategy. Thank you and have a great week. From Los Angeles, California to Winooski, Vermont, we're taking queer money on the road. Join us as we gamify personal finance with Queer Money Bingo or catch our signature Live Fabulously, Not Fabulously Broke Talk and so much more in between. Check out QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player regularly for date and location updates.